Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's supposed to, it's supposed to snow on Christmas, right? Uh, you know, right? I looked this morning. It looked like rain the day before. Oh, no, not rain. Yeah, well, I'm looking at it right now. It looks like, uh, well, no, okay. It says rain on Thursday. Nothing on Christmas Eve. A little bit of snow on Saturday. I'm seeing 40% chance of rain and snow, and then snow Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. All right. well, white Christmas, Ben. I know. At least after. Make your dreams come true. Hell yeah. All righty. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's have the snowstorm hit at about, mm, like, 5.30, 6 p.m. <laughs> right when we're starting to sled yeah, on in. Right. Let's have that happen. Uh, ben, we're going to take some shoot-around sound uh, if it becomes available. We're expecting it to, so stay tuned. We could uh, interrupt whatever fascinating topic we get into and uh, throw it a shoot-around at any moment. So just a little forewarning for the folks out there. But Gordon Hayward's coming back to town. Ben, is that still a topic, you think? Will it ever not be a topic? It's not a topic only because of what Donovan Mitchell has done. But otherwise, it's still very easily had the Jazz not made that trade on draft night. Because if you don't get Donovan Mitchell, you don't have Mike Conley. You don't have Boyan Bogdanovich. You don't have Rudy Gay. You don't. Have, you know, none of these pieces you've had exist if you didn't draft Donovan Mitchell randomly and then have Donovan Mitchell catch fire and turn into the superstar he's become. It was become. the perfect situation for him. It was absolutely him. perfect. Yep. If you hadn't had that, yes, Gordon Stay Gordon Hayward, Gordon Stayward. Gordon Hayward might still be looked at as probably the greatest villain in jazz history next to Michael Jordan. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I can don't come along with that. Because, Donovan, that, that was such a special thing that the Jazz didn't have to turn over the roster again, even though they, no they lost their number one player. Yeah, it was just a, a plug-and-play type operation, which does not happen no, ever. No, And it happened with the Jazz. So, yeah, I'm with you there. And then Gordon got hurt Correct. in the first minute of his first game. He's not done anything to make you rue not having right. him on your roster. Exactly. But you got lucky. And if things hadn't randomly worked in your favor with Donovan Mitchell, you would have been in huge trouble. But I do bet you there are people in the Jazz front office who say, what if? What if Gordon had stayed and you drafted Donovan? Because Donovan was already on the team. He, he got drafted on whatever, June 23rd. Yeah. And Gordon left on January or July 1st or whatever it was. Fourth of July. Yeah. Trust so me, I remember. It was, yeah, nine days or so, you know, where those two were on technically on the same team together. Gordon bounces, was an all star. You would have started with Donovan Mitchell. Gordon Hayward, who's the type of player the Jazz could still use as a versatile scorer who's a big guy on the wing or, you know, bigger player sure. on the wing, plus Rudy, that still could have been a great basketball Donovan team. would have emerged, but not as quickly. Yeah, Gordon Hayward was hard. Gordon Hayward's a tough—he's he's a tough personality if he's your leader. Well, I just don't think he would have had the shots. I mean, you, right. just, you don't get a playoff team. No, he's not that unselfish. Yeah, you don't get a, a, a playoff team that adds a rookie and the rookie's all of a sudden taking 20 shots a game. That just and, doesn't, that doesn't happen unless Hayward leaves. And Gordon Hayward is particularly unwilling to be you know, easy to make those moves. He was not going to cooperate in that sense. Why it's relevant, and are we getting close here, Megan? I won't dive into anything too deep then. Uh, I, I think it's, it's really relevant because it's a, it's a monumental mistake on the Jazz end in their past that they always need to remember because they can't have it repeat itself. Uh, and we can dive more into that coming up. Okay. Let's see, who do we have, Megan? Mike Conley? I think it's Mike Conley. Let's go to uh, Mike Conley live doing a little shoot-around today. I was wrong. I, I would speak up, but obviously nothing's wrong. And and, um, and that's the frustrating part is, you know, I feel like I go out there and still help, but I'm doing it for a bigger reason, and uh, hopefully it, it pays off in the end. 
think last time you guys kind of struggled, you got kind of that three-day break and you could do some practicing and figure stuff out. And then in that set time, now you didn't have that. You didn't practice yesterday, you know, but just to say, how does that kind of change how you bounce back from the forms again? Well, it allows us to, to kind of have a, sh- a shorter memory and 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 get right back to work, get right back to playing a game. You know, when you have three or four days in between a game, you, you get time to practice, but it feels like you're just waiting and waiting to play again, and you just want to get back out there and, and prove that you can be better. And um, when we get opportunity tonight, you know, just like that. So hopefully, um, you know, we'll go out there and, and give give even better effort and find a way to, you know, get a win at home. What do you see from Lord uh, uh, man, he's, uh, he's been electric, you know, so far as first few seasons, I think this year, he's really taken a much more control of, of, of the ball. Um, he really wants to make plays for his teammates, really unselfish, but his, his ability to score as well, uh, just really a balanced, a really balanced player overall. And, um, at his young age to be able to do that, uh, so quickly is impressive. So I mean, it's going to be a, a tough task for us and we're excited to, to get the challenge. As a double-digit year veteran, can you watch a young player? What are the things you're watching? I and mean, then you saw it as a rookie, or other things you're like, oh, that's real. Like, what are the things you look for? Um, I think one, uh, you know, turnovers. You know, how how loose are they with the ball? How you know much do they um, push the tempo? How much do they try to um, not only just use their athleticism but read defenses? You know pre-plays, you know, just seeing them directing guys and putting people in certain spots, putting bigs in short corners or strong corners to try to manipulate a, a defense. You know, when you see that kind of activity from from point guards, you know that they're they're making a jump, uh, not just uh, on the court, but through the through the film and through, you know, uh, their coaching and stuff like that. This is maybe a maybe a guilty conscious question here. Um you go back and re- we'll go back and rewatch games. There'll be a play where someone doesn't start their transition defense fast enough, and then it ends up costing them, or they're just not quite in the right spot as someone runs a baseline route, or mm-hmm. things like. Is that fair on our part? Because that is actually what separates winning a one possession game or not, or is that unfair? Because there's 94 possessions on each side, and God forbid you're actually going to be perfect. Yeah, you know nobody's going to be perfect, and you know, we can pinpoint every possession of a game and find something that was a domino effect or caused a certain kind of run or whatever. But uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's the multiple times you, you commit those errors. If it happens once it happens, you know, a guy will miss a block out. A guy will get, not get back in transition or stab at a ball and, and get beat. But if you're, you know, a repeat offender and you're doing it over and over again, that's, the, that's a problem. So, um, you got to remember it's the NBA and other teams. They got good, good players and great guys on the other end and great coaching. So, um, we're, we're combating that as well as ourselves sometimes. And, um, you know, we just try to put ourselves in the best position to win games. Getting to watch these end of practice periods that we do. It's interesting to me getting to see, you know, the one on one work that Jared does with Keon or that Eric does with Vince and so on. With the younger guys, like obviously, you know, we see where kind of the granular details come in can can help them is there anything that a guy in your position can get from you know these sessions working with lamar or or something like that oh yeah we you know lamar and i are around the same age and we uh we watch film all the time and uh after shoot around normally we'll go over to the side and, and we'll watch the last two or three games certain possessions and 
and argue and I give my piece, he'll give his piece. And, and I learn a lot and then I'll be stubborn on, stubborn on some things and be like, you know, I, you know, I just don't agree with that. And, um, and that helps me, you know, in games being able to have that kind of dialogue and being able to be accountable on my, on my end of certain things. So I know for them, for our young guys to be able to not only watch film, but to be able to be out there and, and, you know, work on certain moves, work on certain footwork, um, things that we do every day um, definitely help expedite their their process of growing as a player. On the line, how different is it for like the work that you and Lamar are doing versus what Jared and and Keon are doing? Say? Yeah, Jared and and Keon are going pretty you know pretty hard on the court. Um, they're working on fundamental fundamental things and a lot of footwork, and a lot of balance work, a lot of stuff that you know I don't really want to do it you know, nine in the morning, but, um, we do it anyway. But, um, for me more, it's more about the mental side and trying to, um, establish certain things through film, uh, and, and, you know, getting my mind right and mentally prepared for certain situations because I've frankly been through all the stuff he's done and, um, and developed a lot of that stuff he's developing. So just trying to use my mind more than my body in the mornings, um, and then when the game time's ready, you know, game time's ready to go, I'm ready to play. What is stubborn from the nicest guy in the NBA? <laughs> <laughs> um, defensively, a lot of it's on defense. And mostly I talk about defense and I get, I get, um, he gets on me about helping too much. I'm, I'm used to helping a lot and weak side and somebody drives middle. I, I tend to be right there and like try to steal or stab and, They'll throw it across the court and my guy make a three, like one out of every 20 possessions, it feels like. But Lamar thinks it happens every time. But um, I beg to differ. And, you know, I just like, man, I'm going to keep helping as much as I can. I don't want to have to rely on Rudy all day, but, um, you know, give our, give our teammates as much help as I can. And that's what we argue about. When DeJounte pulls up over you from 12 feet or whatever that was, or- like, do you view that as like a good, like you did your job, you kept him off the rim, he pulls for 14, he's just 6'6"? Six, six? Or how did you look at like a possession like that? Uh, I was upset I let him score, you know, at the end of it. I, I wasn't looking at it as like I played good defense or, you know, the, my whole objective was not to let him score. So when he, if he would have missed it, I would have been happy. He makes it. I'm like, I I didn't do my job, you know, at the end of the We're day. We're not processed on this one. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm angry. I, you know, I'm you know, saying words I shouldn't say, but I'm very angry about, about it. Donovan and Rudy were talking about, I think it was after the eighth win in that streak, they were like, you know, the, putting together a win streak maybe doesn't mean as much this year as it would have meant in the past years. But, it, you know, they don't get as excited. Um, I think that the same thing uh, Donovan said about like losing a couple of games. Like it's not the same. It's not as tragic, and the highs aren't so high with the win streak because there's just there's more that they want at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Maybe when you were with Memphis, did you reach a point like that where you're like, okay, it's about incremental stuff every day rather than necessarily one win or loss? Uh, I honestly can't say that I've been a part of a team that's kind of felt that that feeling where like you know. In Memphis, I felt like we we were we were grinding for every win that we were trying to get. You know, we played a certain way, and the games were close, and that's just who we are. So it was it was stressful, and you know, just what it was. But um, here, we like you know, you get an eight game win streak. We didn't we weren't thinking about it at all. Like we're like, dang, we got eight eight wins in a row, and now we've lost two, and we're not worried about it because you know we're we're really honestly 
trying to get better each day and whether that ends in a win or a loss, it is what it is. But if we find ways to take things from certain games and prepare ourselves for what we're, you know, what's to come and where it matters most, uh, which is in the playoffs where we plan on being and, and plan on being successful at is, um, you know, this time is, is a learning period for us and we have to get better. I mean, over the last few losses, we've lost in the last few minutes of a game. And those that tells us, hey, we got to get better in the last few minutes of the game, like last possessions of the game, the last couple of possessions of the game. So, like, we're learning about ourselves in these in these uh, in these games we win or lose. So, um, you know, we we'll just hopefully get back on the winning side of things. It's much more fun and enjoyable, but um, we understand the goal at the end of the day. Right. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Mike Conley, uh, shoot around sound. Here is the uh, the Jazz get ready for the Hornets tonight at Vivint Arena. Tip off will be at seven o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at six. And uh, you know, knowing uh, Mike a little bit like we do, Ben, I bet it's hard for him to have load management. You know what I mean? I bet it's hard for him to sit aside uh, on Saturday night and watch his team struggle against the Wizards. He's just that's got to bug him. Yeah, and, and you know, Jazz have struggled. They're two and three this year without Mike Conley on the floor, and they're all games that they probably should have won. I mean, the Bulls they easily could have won. Bulls were pretty good when they played them, but Jazz could have won that game. They lost to Orlando in a game that was close. They were up ten going into the fourth quarter. You have Mike Conley. You probably closed that one out. Wizards, you're up fourteen or what, seventeen in the first half, whatever it was. You know, they yeah. were up big, and then they blew it. So you, that's another team that you probably beat if you have Mike Conley on the floor, as opposed to re- relying on Joe Ingles and Trent Forrest at times, who are just not as good of players as Mike Conley is. So yeah, it's got to be frustrating, and and you get why they're doing it. Uh, it makes sense to do it. You can't win in the playoffs without Mike Conley, which you know we're seeing. You can't win in the regular season without Mike Conley. You certainly can't win in the playoffs without him. So you have to hope that this rest strategy ends up uh, coming back and benefiting the Jazz. And and you know the nice thing is, as we've talked about, they're they're going to be in competition for one of those top three spots probably throughout the regular season in the Western Conference. I'd be st- shocked if they dropped outside of the top three. So you're just kind of in this weird soft spot of being able to exist there, trying to get better, trying to make sure you're hanging with the top teams, but you're just trying to work on your scheme as much as anything. You're just trying to make sure you can solve the problems when they arise in the postseason that other teams throw at you more so than you are trying to win, you know, 60 games during the regular season. They're also not particularly deep at Mike's position. Weirdly. So, yeah. Because it felt like they were really deep. I mean, they've got probably the most talented guard rotation in the NBA between Donovan and Mike and Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles. Right. Like, not many teams have four guys like that. But as soon as Mike Conley leaves, some of the unique things he does as a point guard, point guard are gone because Donovan Mitchell's not a point guard. He can play the role as the lead ball handler, but he's not a Mike Conley point guard. Joe Ingles is a little bit, but he doesn't impact the game the way Mike Conley does, and Jordan Clarkson certainly isn't. Jordan Clarkson has blinders on sometimes. Yeah, it's it's the ball handling, and then the rest of the team can barely dribble. Yeah, so, and I'm I'm joking. Sure. Somebody out there is sure. is mad. I said that, but it, it's kind of true. Um, you just don't have anybody who can really being one player shorter at that position is is more difficult than I'd even argue the big, because you still have Hassan Whiteside, Rudy Gay, yes, and Eric Pascal. All are more than capable of of filling in if for any reason Rudy. You know, could not play extended minutes. Right. No, agreed. It's it's 
a hard. He has a particularly unique skill set, which is hard for the Jazz to replicate. And he's good at it. He's You're, great. And at he's it. really good he's, at it. He's elite. Yeah. He's an elite point guard. He really is. In a league that we talk about not having positions, the skills that he brings are unique to what point guards generally do. And the Jazz don't have a lot of other guys who can do them. And he's an all star. I mean, I, I talked about this during the playoffs last year, and it was almost maddening because everybody wants to go. No excuses. Yeah. No excuses. You take any team in the league, and you pull an all star off their roster. How's it going to go? Correct. <laughs> right. Yeah. How's it going to go? No, it's 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 foolish to think that not having a player is not no going to impact the game. No excuses, Ben. Yeah. None. It's like, no yeah, excuses. I, I get it. Yes. Kawhi Leonard wasn't playing for the Clippers either. You know, and they still found a way to win the game. I mean, they outplayed the Jazz in some of those games uh, in the second round of the of the, the playoffs, no question about it. But if you had Mike Conley, you still would have been a much better basketball team. Well, and and I, I always love that because then you go, yeah, but the other guy. Right. It's like, well, I'm not talking about the Clippers. I'm talking about the Jazz. Right. And if you take an all-star off the Jazz roster, they're going to be impacted significantly. Right. And we're seeing that this year in the regular season. The good news is, is those losses, like that loss, it doesn't really matter. Right. To your point, they're going to stay around, hover around three in the West for most of the season. And that's probably where you want to be. It doesn't really matter. Home court doesn't mean a whole lot in the NBA playoffs, despite what most folks want to tell you. It doesn't. Right. And it's really about matchups. That's why you see teams losing games on purpose in the last week of the season, because Correct. it matters more who you play right. than where you are seated or where you play. 100%. And we could, you know, maybe this is a deeper conversation for later. I mean, we can talk about who the Jazz match up well against in the playoffs and who they don't. Right. But the point is, is that you'd rather have Mike Conley healthy and playing well than you would win a game in December against the Wizards. It is funny to hear him talk about just the process. You know, he's being asked about what he's working on in practices and what Jared Butler has to work on in practice, which is interesting. He's doing a couple of different things. It looked like some from some of the photos of practice. Jared Butler's working a little bit differently. Now, I know he's also playing with the Stars here, but I bet you the Jazz are anticipating he's going to have to play some minutes coming up in the next little bit. Not that anyone has COVID right now, but it is sweeping through the NBA. And look, he could just as easily get it as anyone else, you know, and be out in the, in the COVID protocols. It might be easier to get it as a member of the Stars than it is in the NBA with some of the precautions and, you know, getting the private jet that you have and some of the ease of those things. But uh, you, you're just going to have to end up playing some guys towards the end of your roster at some point just to fill depth. And Jared Butler is one of those guys. And it is the process of him just having to work on certain things. He talked about watching LaMelo Ball and the mistakes young guys make. And you can see that in any line of work. You know, you, you can see people who can come into radio and we can tell if someone's been doing it for a long time or hasn't been doing it. You know, there's a pro or there's somebody who's doing it for the first couple of days. Like some of the tricks, some of the difficult things are are, diff, are fun to watch. So having a guy out there like Mike Conley versus Trent Forrest, when you have the young guy or you have the old guy, you know, there's mistakes that you make against Washington on Saturday that you wouldn't lose otherwise if Mike Conley was on the floor. So not having him out there was certainly a big deal. Right. Uh, do we know, Megan, if, uh, if we've got a, anybody else coming? Nobody else has come in yet. Well, why don't we why don't we step aside for now? Okay. And if we've got uh, another interview, we'll get to that coming up next. If not, we've got uh, three stories from kslsports.com hot off the presses okay. and ready to go. We'll do it. I uh, want to remind you about our friends at Davis Vision. They're, <clears throat> it's their fifth annual Black Friday sale. It's been extended through December at Davis Vision. If you're tired of glasses or contacts, get LASIK now. Save 1400 bucks. Limited spots available. Act now. Check them out. DavisVisionMD.com or call 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. More next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You're dancing, Ben. 
Ben's I dancing. have one dance that I do to country music, and I just swing my elbows, and I stick and my thumbs out, and I stick my tongue out for some reason. The, I don't the, listen to country. I don't. So the the tongue thing doesn't what you do. scream country. The the elbows that kind of has a country feel to it. I don't know about the tongue though. That's weird. Uh, it's Jacob Ben ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone. We're going to give away jazz tickets at the end of the segment, so I'd recommend you uh, stick, stick around. around, stick around and listen. Uh, but it's time for the top three stories at kslsports.com. Let's uh, let's dive into it. I, I'm not sure we're going to have another shoot around interview, but if we do. We'll break into regular programming, and you'll be able to hear it. But uh, let's uh, let's get to Megan. What are we starting with, Megan? Number one, Utah State gets the W over Oregon State in the LA Bowl. Cooper Lega, Ben comes in immediately has an impact. How long was that uh, throw? Sixty-two yards to yeah. Devin Tompkins yeah. on his first throw, and I believe Scotty talked to Coach Anderson and said that 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 may have been an improv. So Cooper stepped in and called his own number. I like Watch that. This. Hey, hey guys, I don't know what the coach called right there, so we're throwing it deep. No, fun game, though. Uh, held Utah State to only 13 points. Looked terrific. Uh, really were in charge most of the game. I know Oregon State scored first, but then they came back and, and scored the 14 points and had the halftime lead. And when they went into the, the break with the lead, you kind of thought, okay, I think, I think Utah State's going to have this wrapped up because Oregon State... Because they run the ball so well, we saw it against Utah, you know, really does have the ability to kind of manage games. It's hard for them to come back into games, it feels like. Uh, and Utah State was just the better football team. Utah State looked great. Uh, B.J. Baylor was good, but certainly didn't go off. 18 carries for 78 yards. You'll live with that. Certainly Utah would have loved to have seen that when they played them. But you got your bowl win. You got to 11-3 and on the season. You're going to finish the season with a top 25 ranking a conference championship and a bowl win. I mean, what more could you ever ask for at Utah State this year? The the hot Twitter topic I saw being batted back and forth uh, from Aggie fans over the weekend. Um, is this the best Aggie team in modern history? Because hmm. I don't want to throw back to Merlin's teams and stuff like that because right. I know they had some, some right. really great ones and I don't know how comparable They don't is, have like a Bobby Wagner on this team no. or a Kyler Fackrell. Like they don't have some of the all-time great players, I don't think. Uh, Devin Tompkins is up there. He's been incredible. He's probably the best wide receiver they've had. But uh, I don't know if they have one of those guys, one of those dudes. But this is this is easily a top five season in Utah State's modern history. I think it is their best season in modern history, and there aren't that many seasons really to cheer uh, to choose, choose from. from. Um, there was the Jordan Love year a couple of years ago, um, and then Gary's last year there. Yep. Did they win ten? They won ten games that year. I'm pretty sure, but pretty they Wisconsin, didn't. Yeah. They didn't win the the conference. almost beat Wisconsin the first week of the season, right? Like they had a bunch of those. Right, almost won. So, but those those seasons did not have a conference championship, right? This season had a conference championship and a bowl win, and your they won eleven games actually, but you know had had a ten win season. Yep. I I think this has got to be it. Maybe not their. God, maybe not their best. If you if you lined up that Gary team against this team, who would win? I don't know. But most accomplished, certainly. Well, and they played a fun style of football. That was also fun. I mean, because they could throw the ball over the field, because Devin Tompkins was so good. But you go back and you look at, just look at their totals throughout the year. Now, they kind of squeaked past Washington State 26-23, but that was a great win and a great way to start the year. Washington State didn't turn out to be a bad team either. No, They all. weren't great, but they certainly weren't bad. But then you scored 48-49. You got crushed by Boise State 27-3. to That was ugly. 
lost to BYU, so you had a couple of down weeks, and then you come back and you beat UNLV. Then you put up 51 against Hawaii. You put up 35 against New Mexico State. You put up 48 against San Diego or San Jose State. Beat, get beat by Wyoming. Hang 35 on New Mexico. Hang 46 on a top 15 team in SDSU or top 20 team, excuse me, uh, and then beat Oregon with another tw- you know another Oregon big State. game. Oregon State, excuse yeah. me. Yes, so you. You had a fun season. It was a fun team to watch. The way they won games was fun. The losses were sprinkled in enough interesting spots to make the season feel like it's worth. You don't know. You didn't know how. You didn't know the outcome of the year. Like some years, it doesn't matter. You know how good they're going to be or how bad they're going to be. Uh, you didn't really know until the last week of the season when they won the conference. Uh, at least they won their division, could go to the conference championship, and then won that. You just never really knew what to expect, and every single time they rewarded you by outperforming expectations, and that's the best time to be a fan. I uh, credit slash blame Scott Gerrard for the way the Aggie season went this year. Okay, explain. How many wild yeah. games yeah. did Utah State play in where they're down big and yeah. they're coming back in these crazy moments? Ever since Scotty G took over, as the uh, play-by-play voice for Utah State, the craziest stuff has happened. Sure, I mean, look at all the the Mountain West uh, Conference tournament runs right. with like Sam Merrill making all those Correct. shots in in like two, three games in a row. Right. Sam Merrill's right. cannon um, uh, game-winning yep. threes. Scotty went viral for the the one that won the uh, won the tournament. Yep. Uh, what do you call? Oh, say the Sam I M call. Yeah, you know. But then there was the Utah State Colorado State. The what? Hell, what the hell just happened? Game where the, there was a random flag when right. Colorado State had the game winning right. touchdown. Right. I mean, it's it's Scotty G. What? What? That was a crazy season for Utah State that you never even could have imagined. Not only winning eleven games, but the way that they won them was just wild. Who would have predicted they would have just smashed San Diego State? No. Nobody. No, nobody. Nobody. And the way they beat them, too, where they just took away their will to play? Who would have Who would have predicted that? No. But it's Scotty G. Apparently, he's just, any game season he's calling is going to have weird stuff happen. Way to go, boss. Way to go, Scotty. can never just be easy. It has to be, like, weird. Yep. Number two? Number two. Former Ute Tyler Huntley leads Ravens with four touchdowns in close loss to the Packers. He's fun to watch. He's really fun to watch. How many tweets from random uh, you know, sports analysts did you see over the weekend, Ben, saying Tyler Huntley's going to be a starter next year for some team? Yeah. Everybody. I saw at least three or four. Oh, everybody. Yeah. Because it's so hard to find a quarterback. He stepped in and replaced Lamar Jackson, who, you know, maybe a season ago, was the most desired quarterback in the NFL as far as kind of young up-and-comers. And now Tyler Huntley steps in and is honestly, his performance yesterday was probably as good as anything Lamar Jackson has done this season. And now the system's great. Harbaugh knows how to you know use him. If they kick a field goal on the opening drive instead of going for uh, the end zone uh, and trying to get a touchdown, they probably win that game in regulation and, and you know could have had success and they end up having to go for two late in that game. But, I mean, the numbers for Tyler Huntley, 215 yards, as Megan said, uh, almost 75 yards on the ground on just 13 carries, two touchdowns on the ground. I mean, four touchdowns from your quarterback? From that guy? I mean, his story has been as enjoyable to watch as anybody. And then, like I said, he's exciting. 
He's really, it's really fun to watch how he plays football, how he keeps his team in games. And they're always in games that he's playing. They're always in, you know, have a chance in the fourth quarter to come back and get a victory because he's a winner. He's found a way to, 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 to compete on the NFL or in the NFL the same way he did it at Utah. And it's, it's been a, a heck of a story for him. His, his evolution in his career at, at Utah is, is pretty, because he really started making the throws his senior year. Yeah. I mean, he was always a good quarterback, but he really started making the throws his senior year. He was 28 of 40. Right. It's not like he only. It's no. not like one of those games where he threw the ball fifteen times. You know, I mean, uh, where you're the backup and you just uh, run the ball as much as possible because you don't believe that the the fill in can do it. Right? Uh, they threw the ball forty times and they scored two touchdowns in the last four minutes. Yep. Ben, yeah, he's a great fourth quarter and player. I here's here's what I like most about uh, the situation. He has got a smile ear to ear. He, he is in the entire game. He does. I had fun watching that Correct. game last uh, yesterday, Ben. And the other thing I noticed, you, they do the the pan over to Lamar Jackson. Guy is jumping up yes. and down. Could not be happier for Tyler Huntley. Listen, that doesn't happen in the NFL. Correct. That doesn't happen in the Correct. NFL. I think that says a lot about Tyler Huntley and the type of teammate yeah. person that he is. And, and Lamar Jackson, but and it says more too. about yes. Tyler. I think it does say more about Tyler because Tyler is so easy to like. If He's jo- so likable. If Jordan Love stepped in for Aaron Rodgers and all of a sudden balled out, right. Aaron Rodgers isn't jumping up and down no. over on the sideline. He's not. A- excited for him. So good for Tyler. Tyler... Depending, we'll see. I mean, honestly, best case situation is that Lamar Jackson comes back next week, and we never have to see Tyler Huntley play again. Oh, he's riding the high. He's got a. I, he will have a starting job if he didn't play again for the rest of the season. I mean, of, I'd bet on him having a starting. Yeah, job think next of the number year. of teams that yes. need a quarterback like that. I mean, a he can probably win you games, but worst case situation, like he's not going to lose you games. He didn't throw any interceptions. He didn't fumble the ball. I don't think yesterday. Like he was really he didn't fumble. No turnovers. He was really really solid. And on top of being solid, he has really bright spots. Now, he has some accuracy issues at times. You know, he's not a perfect quarterback. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Tom Brady, but Tom Brady couldn't even score yesterday. But, you know, you look at at what he did. Denver needs him. Uh, Carolina needs him. Washington needs him. The Seahawks might need him if they trade Russell Wilson. Like, there are so many teams that may end up needing a starting quarterback. And right now, if you're looking up at backups in the NFL, there is nobody with more untapped potential than Tyler Huntley. And that can get you... 30, 40 million bucks? Get you a deal. How amazing would that be for yeah. Tyler Huntley if he gets $40 million this offseason? Just don't go play for the Bears. Stay and back up don't go to the Lamar Jets. Jackson. Yeah. Don't, don't go, go to the, the, the Bears. Don't go to the Bears. <laughs> Who else is on the don't go list? Is there anyone else that, I mean, the Jets and the Bears? Jacksonville. For sure. But they're not in any, you're not worried about going there. I wouldn't want to touch Houston right now, but Houston might need a starting quarterback. Great point. Yep. No, I'd rather but stay a backup than go to touch Houston. Houston. That's, that's a toxic situation. There's not a lot. There's, there's, not, there's a lot. not a lot of places. And you know what? Like Ben Roethlisberger could retire, and then they're going to want a quarterback. You know, like there are a lot of spots where Tyler Huntley is going to be a significantly safer bet than using a first round draft pick on a guy. Could go find a job. Yeah. At, at the very least, Huntley could become Tyrod Taylor, where he's your go to veteran when yep. you have a young player. I might be in the league but for 10 it, years it, as a result. Exactly. But that's the basement. Right. Like, I wouldn't, at this point, I wouldn't bet against him going somewhere and succeeding. He'll get starters money this offseason yeah. as long as he can stay healthy and continues to play pretty well. He'll get starter money next offseason, so hopefully he gets 18 guaranteed right. and is set for the rest of his life. And then gets to the you know the great pension, not just the four or five year, but the ten year NFL yeah. pension where you're making you know four hundred thousand dollars 
Yeah, the, at least the, you know the set for life, truly yes. set for life area of yeah. things. Be yeah. great, and how, how what a, what a great story that is. Couldn't He's, happen to a, a better dude either. Yeah. Fun to watch and, and unexpected. Again, the, the fun part of sports when you're surprised by these guys. Tyler Huntley's been a shocking surprise, and I just like watching someone have fun. I don't right. know. That shouldn't matter, right? It really shouldn't. But I'm not kidding, Ben. I, Ooh, it's, I, I would it's contagious. I absolutely enjoyed watching that game more because of the vibe. Tyler and his post game press conferences are great. And he's talked about. It. He's you know during the draft process, I had to realize I don't have any control over any of this. But if I trust going day by day, which is a cliche, if I trust that I just do the work, it will work out for me. And he means it, and it has. All right, let's move it on. Number three, Utah Jazz take on the Charlotte Hornets tonight at seven. Think they'll boo Hayward? We didn't get a, a real chance to. Yeah, dig they'll into boo him the, a little bit. He to, still gets booed. He's so benign now. He has not turned into a star. The best thing he's done is make a bunch of money. I mean, he's made 150 million dollars at least. I mean, he's probably made 200 million dollars now since he's left the Jazz, which is unbelievable. Uh, but he's never made an All Star team. He's not made an All NBA team. Like, didn't he? Even Al Jefferson made an All NBA team right after he left the Jazz. Didn't he end up like All NBA third team center or something goofy one Did year? He? There was just like such a bad run. I, I could I could go back and look it up. Al Jefferson ended up with some weird late year award. Also playing in Charlotte actually because he went and like they kind of needed a go to score and he was their guy. He has a Way, he has a way of doing that. Uh, but he's just never gone on to do anything exciting, speaking of Gordon Hayward. So I, I don't think Jazz fans certainly have uh, any. He made all NBA in 2013, 2014. Al Jefferson, Al Jefferson did. That's that. hilarious. Uh, but yeah, Jazz fans are just not that hurt by Hayward anymore or Ennis Cantor. Freedom. You just don't. Those, you've had so much success since they left. It just really doesn't matter. I agree. But uh, he is an example of a mistake the Jazz made. We didn't get a chance to, to dive what, what into that. What should they have done? What should they have should done? They have tra- should they have traded him? They should have known. They should have known they poisoned the well. They poisoned Originally. the well when they didn't give him the max with deal. With the Charlotte deal. With the Charlotte deal, where yeah. he had to go out and get his own max deal. $90 million. They should have known that they poisoned the well and that the, the relationship was damaged beyond repair because he left in such a bitter way that he was going to. He stayed. Well, let me put it this way. Everybody blasted Paul George for telling Indiana that he wanted out or that he was going to leave. He did them a favor. Gordon Hayward kept that a secret. Just despite the jazz. Oh, yeah. Just out of pure bitterness, did not. Even waiting to the 4th of July. He was not honest. Yeah. He was not. Waited beyond when everyone else had signed. Right. So there was kind of no recourse for the jazz to go out and get Kyle Lowry or some of the names they talked about trying to bring in. And his situation was even understandable. If he had come out and said, you know what, I'm not re signing with this club because they didn't believe in me, I proved them wrong, and now I'm going to go somewhere else uh, where I'm valued. People would have been grumpy, but you can understand that. And then that puts the onus back on the Jazz that they didn't believe in their guy, which they didn't. They didn't. But the Jazz should have known that they damaged that relationship beyond repair and gotten out in front of it where they didn't lose a player with value for nothing. Yeah, and I'm... I don't know, other than Joe Johnson hitting a fun shot... I honestly don't know what you got out of that playoff run when you lost, got swept by Golden State in the second round with nothing, Gordon Hayward. Nothing. Like, other than... A great moment. That's like, it was it. probably maybe the best the thing. The person that helped the most might have been Quinn Snyder. Okay. That yeah. might... But Quinn Snyder was going to get there next year anyways. You know, like, you didn't get... 
a great nothing came out of it. Joe Johnson was on the team and but was awful the next year. You ended up trading him to Houston like midway through the season. Remember Rudy Gobert was hurt during the first like six games of that series, five games of that yep. series came back late, but he hurt his knee on the opening play of the series. Yep. So it wasn't like he got this incredible experience other than getting worked by Golden State in the second round. There just was not George Hill was on the team. Like, didn't matter the next year. You Favors had kind of Rubio. a heroic performance in that series against the And then got replaced in, by Gobert the, the next year. Yeah. You right. know, like, there just was not a ton of... It, that was a turning point for the team. It didn't do a Gordon whole Hayward decimated the team so dramatically as soon as he left that... Uh, that you never quite got to enjoy it. But that that's the thing. That's why the Hayward story is important because it needs to be a lesson to the franchise on how they really did not handle a critical situation correctly. And, hey, I'm, I'm not out here to pile on Dennis Lindsay because he did a Very pretty, good job. pretty good job yeah. keeping, you know, a playoff, you know, making the playoffs the next right. year and keeping it afloat. But that that was a mistake. They shouldn't have slow played Hayward to begin with. But the, the real mistake is not – not having an understanding that you or, or having a misconception about your relationship with your best player. You've got to be on the same page at all times. Correct. And they obviously were they not. Weren't. Not even close. Correct. But yeah. Lot, true lack of communication. Of understanding of what his others, desires might be. Others out there. Brian Getzeiler came on with DJ and PK a calendar year before Gordon yeah. Hayward left and said, he's leaving. Yeah. And somehow Brian Getzeiler knows he's leaving. Yeah. But the franchise is... Does it? Amin El Hassan that was on ESPN yeah. for a while used to be a Phoenix Suns guy, front office guy. He was saying that the meetings were already being had between Gordon's people and other teams around the NBA for the offseason. So like, how yeah. How do you not how do you not know that? Or you know what, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they knew it, but they thought when push comes came to shove they'd have more money. They'd have more they money to the playoffs. Right. He was the guy. He made the all star team. Yeah. That was gonna be enough. Which is probably more likely is they were they, they were fooling themselves, themselves yes. that that he wasn't. But you you've gotta have some sort of handle on that. Yep. I mean Darren Williams was cranky, but you knew where you stood. Right. And some of that's on Gordon. So well, that's yeah, personality, he, but you have to know who you're dancing with. And, but he did that on purpose. Correct. He spited you. Yeah. He was so bitter over yeah. that contract yeah. that he honestly stayed a place he was obviously unhappy for an extra year just to screw the Jazz. It, it would have taken nothing for him to get a trade exception back for the Jazz in return. Nothing. It's All he had to do was say that, uh, tell Boston, like, why don't you go ahead and do it just, you know, to be nice. He didn't do that. Again, he's going to retire from the NBA with over $200 million in career earnings. I mean, Gordon Hayward has done extraordinarily well for himself and is still going to leave the league because of his personality as kind of a non-guy. He's never really been a full part of the league. He's never really been important. Yeah, I can come along with that, sure. Like not, not important in a positive way. Correct. Do you can go back? I, I think it was Rudy Gay was talking about it. You know, he's going to talk about his teammate glowingly, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was somebody else was, said, You're not going to be able to tell, in 10 years, you're not going to be able to tell the story of the NBA without talking about Mike Conley. Like, he's held in such high yeah. regard. Mike yeah. Conley matters. He's a part of the fabric of the NBA. Yeah. Gordon Hayward is not a part of the fabric of the no. NBA. And that's not taking a shot at a guy who left. He has, that, he has that personality in the locker room, he is just not a part of it. For whatever reason, he doesn't fit in with the way the rest of the league operates, the players, the mindset, the personalities. He just doesn't quite fit into that niche as well. 
Stay tuned. More Jake and Ben will get you ready for Hans and Scotty G coming up next. But right now, it's time to give away a pair of hey, tickets. Hey, you remembered. 855-340-ZONE. Caller 12 right now. 855-340-ZONE. And you're going to see uh, tonight's game between the Utah Jazz and the Charlotte Hornets. Stay tuned. More next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Is this, uh, is this Mariah but not Mariah? Yeah, it's not Mariah. Who is this? Lady Antebellum. Oh, okay. Or Lady A now, right? <laughs> Can I do my country thing? <laughs> See, now this is messing with Mariah, who I dearly love. Yeah, that, that Mariah song is, you know, top three, four uh, great Christmas song of all time. Uh, Jake, you and I talked about going to Wendover, and thank goodness we didn't, because you and I would have lost Big Ben. Unhoused, uh, come this Christmas. We would have lost in our money that we were going to put on BYU, and of course, you, uh, the Utah Jazz winning both their games this weekend, because none of those things happened. But one better was very happy. He uh, won a million dollars, over a million dollars, betting on the New Orleans Saints yesterday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, uh, Taysom Hill's New Orleans Saints ended up beating Tom Brady's Bucks 9-0, to zero, which is a hilarious score in, in the NFL. Uh, the Bucks closed as an 11.5-point home favorite at BetMGM, but the Saints were more than ready to uh, play the underdog role. This better went out and wagered $525,000 that the Saints were going to cover that 11.5-point spread, which, man, 11.5 points is so many in the NFL. That's why the NFL is great. Every game is decided by four points, three points, seven points. An 11.5 point spread is pretty easy money. He did it. Not only did they cover, they won. He ended up taking home uh, $1,002,272. Now, let me ask you this. What type of better do you think that guy was? Oh. Was it, was it Zillionaire who is... Wouldn't have cared one way or another, or is it guy who mortgaged everything he owns and was truly sweating it out? Unfortunately, yesterday? it's not Uncut Gems. Did you see the Adam Sandler movie? The Uncut I did Gems not. I've movie. heard it's good though. He's the hustler. He's the like everything has to work out on this parlay for like his life to come together, mortgaging everything, yeah. pulling together every right. dollar he can. Uh, no, it was Floyd Mayweather. Okay, all right. You know what I mean? The guy who different. like he bets on everything. Floyd Mayweather's always betting. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars and stuff because he makes whatever a hundred million dollars a year a, yeah, on a fight. Right. Yeah, so he can bet crazy and like loves those high stakes. I bet you it was a Floyd Mayweather type of person. I wish it wasn't because that's where my mind goes whenever I hear those stories. Like, do I think it's the guy that taped his whole life together into one bet where he's literally living and dying with every snap? Because I don't know how people do that. I, I mean, I guess that's the. The part of the compulsive behavior, right? The rush, you know. I ju- I don't know how people live their life that way. Well, so I hope it was the zillionaire that wouldn't didn't really care about the outcome. Just oh, and I hope it's a Christmas miracle. I hope somebody needed this five hundred thousand. That's how they're going to exist in life, and came back and really needed it, and, and walk away that. and never bet another dollar. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. Uh, it's not, though. No, it's not. BetMGM also took a $500,000 bet on the Atlanta Falcons, covering as a nine-point underdog to the San Francisco 49ers, and the Niners, who were playing pretty well, won 31-13, so that guy lost $500,000. And there was also a $300,000 bet on the Giants, covering as an 11.5-point dog to the Cowboys, and the Cowboys won 21-6. So someone lost, two people lost $800,000 yesterday. I mean, and of course, we're talking tens of millions of dollars. If you're talking, every bet added up, every weekend... Uh, and they win the majority of the time, obviously. Otherwise, they wouldn't exist. But, yeah, it's crazy. That's that. I, I just cannot imagine Monday 
I mean, BYU fans, we probably are losing, what do you think? 25% of our listenership for, from the BYU fans who don't want to listen to sports radio the day after your team they loses. They don't want to hear about it. They yeah. don't want to hear it. Or jazz fans who don't want to hear us talk about what's wrong with yeah. the jazz after losing two games. What do you do on a Monday after you lose a half mil on the Falcons 49ers in week 13? Well, again, that would depend on what kind of better I am. That's what I'm telling you. I don't you. think it does matter. You lose a half million dollars. I don't think it matters if you're a zillion. I mean, if you're betting, your, if you needed it to make it to New Year's, your life's over. But even if you're a zillionaire and you lose a half million dollars on a bet, I bet you that I bet you it stinks. I bet you that Monday stinks. Okay. I don't think it ever feels good to lose a half no, million. No, it doesn't matter what position you're in. And it's probably the principle of the thing too, where you you lose. You know, you could lose uh, playing golf. You could lose two bucks to your buddies. It's going to ruin your day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Easily. Yeah. Never fun to lose money. All right, want to remind you about our friends at uh, Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Riverdale. Join Hans and Scotty there from noon to 3, 1481 West, Riverdale Road in Riverdale. Speaking of Hans and Scotty, they're coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.